Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Journey with me as I go down various rabbit holes to explore the best Plan B options for you. This episode is brought to you by OnCall Capital. OnCall Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. OnCall Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Welcome to the rabbit hole on the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. Throughout my journey in finding a Plan B, I've gone down numerous rabbit holes to figure out which ones work for me. And since I've done some of this research already, I only think it's right to bring that information to fellow healthcare professionals to help aid in your search. As always, it's important for you, the listener, to do your own research and form your own opinions. Everyone's situation is unique, and a Plan B that works for one CRNA doesn't always work for another. Self-awareness is the key in any decision you make, since you must have an accurate grasp of your own strengths, weaknesses, and goals. Today's topic is one that is becoming increasingly visible to those of us who have worked 1099 or are currently working in smaller office settings, or hey, maybe you're starting a med spa. Our rabbit hole of the day is, dun, 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 medical office buildings. As mentioned earlier this week in my inaugural State of the Union address, office real estate is a sector of the overall commercial real estate market that's currently at a crossroads. In the aftermath of the pandemic, the U.S. office market has seen a slow and uneven recovery. There's still demand for the best buildings in attractive locations, but there's a deep divide between primary and secondary office buildings that's expected to widen in 2023. This is largely due to new working patterns as tenants shed underutilized office space with emerging hybrid and remote working models instead. This likely means that this new year will be a favorable one for tenants, not necessarily for buyers. With that being said, though, the medical office market in the U.S. remains solid. After recovering from construction delays during the pandemic, the sector is posting a historic number of construction starts. However, these aren't necessarily translating into record completions since costs are continuing to rise. This overall decline in construction completions has kept occupancy consistently above 90%, unlike other parts of the office real estate sector. Rents have grown for 11 straight quarters as of mid-2022, with averages of 3% per year, and medical office owners enjoy some of the most creditworthy tenants in commercial real estate because healthcare service providers, hospitals, and medical operators represent a lower risk of default for landlords than other corporate tenants. Medical office sales reached $9.2 billion in the first half of 2022 after a record of $20 billion in all of 2021. And let's face it, people need healthcare no matter what the economy looks like, which translates into less disruption during economic downturns. Healthcare is projected to continue as one of the fastest growing industries due to a combination of factors, such as more insured Americans and the aging of the baby boomer population. The convenience of visiting a medical office as opposed to a large hospital is also driving usage from customers. As healthcare providers, we see this every day. 
Medical office space itself can mean a lot of things and can house tenants of all sorts. Primary doctors, dentists, dermatologists, plastic surgeons, urgent care centers, dialysis centers, GI clinics, lab services, digital imaging services. This means that though medical office buildings are a sector within a sector, there isn't just one type out there. A medical office building, also referred to as a mob, can range from a small 1,000-square-foot dental office to a modern hospital complex spanning millions of square footage. In fact, there are four distinct categories of mobs. Number one, standalone. These types of mobs are small buildings that are typically built to accommodate a single practice or a group practice. Most often, physicians slash dentists slash dermatologists actually own the building. With the demand to decrease overhead, the Tax Reform Act of 1986, which eliminated many tax incentives for individual ownership, and the extent of benefits of our next two classes, standalone mobs have been falling out of favor. However, they still have their place. Dialysis and urgent care centers are two popular standalone properties for investors. Also, physicians often qualify for commercial loans and can typically afford the down payment. Physicians and savvy healthcare property investors may be intrigued by assets such as a multi-tenant building that can offset rental costs and generate cash flow. Number two, Class B. These medical spaces are often a, you know, they're well-managed, low to mid-rise buildings located either on or near a hospital or medical center campus. The owners of these buildings could be a hospital, a physician partnership, or an individual healthcare property investor, such as yourself. Class B medical spaces and standalone offices may be the only ones available for medical tenants near small medical centers. However, Class B often provides better ingress and egress than standalone centers, as well as more independence for practices. They also include extensive outpatient services, resulting in many Fortune 500 companies who provide medical services fighting over these assets. A standard Class B mob rent role may include well-known healthcare organizations like Baxter or SmithKline Beecham. These types of tenants only further attract mob investors. Third, Class A. This mob is a recently constructed building of high quality. These medical spaces are located immediately adjacent to a major hospital or major medical clinic and are usually developed for the hospital or leased from a parent corporation or healthcare real estate investment trust or REIT. These are gaining in popularity among healthcare providers because occupying a shared facility enables physicians to lower overhead costs and have many services that a patient may need in one location, including pharmacy, lab work, and radiology. They also generally offer more amenities than standalone medical office spaces, such as electronic medical storage, digital imaging, and their ability to serve as a satellite office. And finally, number four, MedTail. This is a hybrid combination of medical office and retail space that can be seen in any of the previous classes of mobs. Essentially, MedTail tenants are traditional medical providers with a small retail storefront to sell ancillary products to diversify their revenue streams. Think med spas here, or when a dental office opts to co-locate alongside retailers as part of a larger mixed-use development project. Potential healthcare tenants will consider these non-traditional settings to provide greater patient access and increase clinic visibility. So how do you actually get into these types of investments? Well, this niche has historically had pretty high barriers to entry due in part to the average investor's inexperience and discomfort with the sector. Typically, smaller properties were owned by physicians groups and larger buildings were owned by hospital systems, REITs, and a handful of other institutional investors. 
But now the spotlight is shining on this area of real estate as a way to earn higher returns in an era of compressing cap rates. And I already mentioned the first way to get into mob investing, REITs. This is likely the easiest way to get in, but simple isn't always better. I looked up five well-known mob REITs, and only one of them, Global Medical REIT, ticker symbol GMRE, had a positive return over the last five years, and that was only 12%. Granted, it does have an 8.8% dividend yield, which is pretty nice too. The others were Medical Properties Trust, ticker symbol MPW, Physicians Realty Trust, ticker symbol DOC, Healthcare Realty Trust, ticker symbol HR, and Ventus, ticker symbol VTR, all of which had 15% or more losses over the last five years. Yes, the dividends are nice, ranging from 4 to 10%, but you can see that they weren't nearly as stable as the overall medical office market was during that time. So what are the downsides with mob REITs? Well, there are a few. The high desirability and stability of operations of institutional-level investments makes appreciation difficult due to already high valuations. In essence, these REITs are paying through the nose to purchase these stable assets. Any gains that you make from REITs are subject to capital gains taxation. Yes, that's lower than income taxes, which is not bad, but it's not nearly as tax advantage as actually owning the property yourself. And REITs are subject to overall market risk. When stock market investor sentiment is down, most stocks slump. In the last year, when stocks lost around 20% of their value, only one of those REITs mentioned actually outperformed the market, but it still lost 13% on the year. Global Medical REIT, which is the only positive gainer over the last five years, actually lost about 50% of its value this past year. So much for stability, huh? You can mitigate this risk by finding a private or public non-traded REIT, such as Nuveen Global Cities REIT or CNL Healthcare Properties, but make sure you do your own research before making any investments. There has to be another way to passively invest though, right? Of course there is. You can invest alongside a lead sponsor in a syndication or fund that directly purchases a medical office building. I mentioned syndication here, but it's extremely difficult to actually find an operator who works exclusively in this space. Funds, however, are a different animal, and you can find several just by Googling medical office fund. A few that I found include Flagship Healthcare Real Estate Fund, Hale Medical Office Building Fund, Chestnut Healthcare Funds, KA Real Estate, and the AW Medical Office Fund. Each of these has their own goals, prospectus, and return profiles, but the general idea is that as a passive investor, you can share in profits and the pass-through tax benefits of real estate ownership. Those tax benefits can help you to shield much or all of the cash flow that your investment creates, which is pretty powerful. To get started, you have to reach out individually to any fund team that you're interested in to go through introductions. Many of these will likely require you to be an accredited investor, but some may not. I'll leave it in your capable hands to look deeper into this one. Moving on, though, to our last option, getting your hands dirty. You can directly purchase, joint venture, or syndicate your own medical office building. The most common types of mobs that are purchased in this fashion are smaller, single, and multi-tenant properties of 5,000 square feet or less. These are purchased and sold by more locally-based investors, including individuals and small investment groups. Admittedly, I didn't find overwhelming amounts of info on how to really go about this process, so my guidance here is limited. But that doesn't mean the process has to be overwhelming so long as you take a systematic approach, as you would with any other real estate investment, really. 
The first thing to do is start networking and building your team. You can begin by reaching out to a qualified medical office broker or mob real estate developer who can walk you through and evaluate each unique opportunity. They understand the sector's intricacies, and they can be helpful in ways well beyond the purchase and sale of a property by providing guidance around tenant leasing, construction management, property management, individual markets, investment sales, and more. You can follow that up by attending some local real estate meetups to look for potential investment partners in the space. You'll likely find folks with varied experiences from your own that you can actually learn from. After doing that, there are several factors to keep in mind before deciding to purchase a property or land. The first thing to consider is similar to that of other real estate types. Location, location, location. Geographic location. Think sunbelt states with aging populations or metro areas with growing populations. Businesses on or near main roads with better visibility. And properties in highly populated areas with easy access. All of these factors impact the quality of tenants that will be looking at your building. Next, you, you should think about the size of the building. How many healthcare providers can the building support? And is there adequate space for imaging or laboratory facilities? How big is the waiting room? Is there room for expansion if needed? I'd like to make an important note here about building codes. These typically don't vary much from traditional office spaces, but a code may require more stringent ADA compliance. This may include the av availability of ramps, elevators, and handicapped parking spaces. There may also be enhanced stipulations around fire protection. Many medical office parking lots are required to be ADA compliant as well. This means a higher parking ratio than other commercial spaces, or roughly five parking spaces per thousand square feet of a development. Some codes stipulate that parking must be within a certain distance of the building to limit the distance that patients must travel. And then, of course, there's the pandemic to consider. Investors should anticipate more stringent air quality standards as a result of building code revisions in the last couple of years. Now, I already mentioned the elevated costs and delays in construction, which can make many investors wary of investing in ground-up completions. While the benefits between upgrading an existing facility and building new has narrowed in the last few years, the nice thing about the mob industry is that you don't have to rely on new development in order to be successful. The majority of transaction volume in this space still involves sale leasebacks. For example, a physician-owned practice is looking to sell their property to an investment group that will manage the property on their behalf. Then that physician group will be the tenant of the new owner for a while, at least. And then you think about all the older dentists and physicians out there who may be looking to start their retirement plans, right? I mean, baby boomers, am I, am I right? Now, this doesn't mean that you can just buy an old building and be profitable. An outdated structure that isn't fitted for the latest medical communications and other technologies could require a significant investment to bring it up to standard. Again, newer isn't always better, but the physical environment should be up to date with contemporary medical technology. Because this changes quickly, you should try to maintain some flexibility with any building that you purchase. This may include universal exam and procedure room sizes to accommodate different purposes, modular design based on traditional planning but using prefabricated construction methods, replicable planning methods that can be used at different growth stages, and incorporating technologies that support healthcare providers to serve patients virtually. Okay, so you've decided upon a building and you go through the purchasing process. Most lenders require a down payment on the price of the real estate, which could be more or less depending upon the condition and location of the property. It's generally recommended to obtain financing of 15 to 20 years with shorter terms and larger down payments translating into lower interest rates. 
Of course, loans beyond 20 years may give you lower monthly payments, but they will cost you an additional interest paid over time. Lenders may require personal guarantees of the owners, but may be willing to accept limited guarantees based on ownership. If you're purchasing the property for your own practice or use, let's say for a med spa or a ketamine clinic, then you'll want to avoid cross-collateralization between the real estate and the medical practice. This means having separate entities for each one. Most rental arrangements between medical practices and landlords are written on a net lease basis, meaning that the rent is calculated to cover debt service, insurance, which includes building and liability, depreciation, property taxes, and legal and accounting fees. The medical practice is usually responsible for leasehold improvements, utilities, small ongoing repairs and maintenance, contents insurance, janitorial and other occupancy expenses. This means that the landlord is responsible for real estate-related expenses such as HVAC, roofing, and other major building and ground expenditures. If you purchased a building with a tenant already in place, then great. But if you're performing a value add on a vacant property, then you'll need to attract the right kind of healthcare tenant. How do you do that? There are several effective methods, all of which focus on highlighting the wonderful location, accessibility, and amenities that your property has to offer. First, digital marketing. This is crucial. Get on those social media accounts and take advantage of the many free resources out there to market your property. Next, online listing platforms. Your commercial broker can help you here as they have access to listing platforms that present the property to a wide audience of other brokers who assist prospective healthcare tenants. Mass, mail e uh, mass email campaigns. Brokers who solely focus on healthcare real estate have curated a database of business partners within that sector. They can design and distribute email campaigns to your target audience. And lastly, Matterport 3D imaging. Some brokers now offer this type of imaging, which scans a property and provides a 3D walkthrough and digital floor plan of the space for prospective tenants to view. This may help lead to more in-person property visits and faster occupancy. Now, it's time for my favorite part of the show, pros and cons. I've mentioned some of these throughout the show, but let's consolidate them here. First is a pro, stability. The medical office sector is the most stable of the office sectors, as shown during the pandemic. This is due in part to the complicated nature of relocation, resulting in lower vacancy rates for mobs overall. Next is a con. Technology. Medical technology is rapidly changing, and as a mob landlord, you have to ensure that your property doesn't fall behind. This can get expensive over time depending upon your leasing agreement. Pro. Reliable tenants. Healthcare providers are creditworthy tenants with less risk of default versus other commercial tenants. Con. Barriers to entry. Getting into this space can be challenging, as the inventory is much lower than residential or even multifamily real estate. Plus, you're competing against potential tenants who may want to own their own property rather than lease a space due to tax benefits. Pro, increased demand. According to AARP, 10,000 Americans are turning 65 years old every day. Also, the number of insured Americans is higher than ever, creating a sustained demand for services. Next is a con, educational gaps. Mobs are a nuanced, niche industry that has a lot more to, to it than meets the eye. It can take a lot of time and energy to reach a good enough understanding of the space to feel comfortable with ownership. And finally, our last pro, cash flow. Medical office properties generally produce a steady cash flow with longer-term leases of 10 to 20 years versus other commercial tenants. 
Now, like I said before, I found it difficult to find specific types of information on this topic. I was unable to find any books on the subject of investing in medical office buildings, so I wish you luck in your research there. What this tells me, though, is that this is still something that is mainly done by larger institutional investors and physician-slash-dental groups. But it's 2023, baby, and advanced practice nurses, therapists, and other healthcare providers are continuing to break down barriers by establishing their own independent practices. Why shouldn't they own their own medical offices, too? I link to a ton of websites with varying levels of education to help you start filling in any knowledge gaps that you may have and get started before everyone else gets there. And with that said, that's going to do it for today's show. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. The show only grows because of you. So make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or colleague to help them on their, uh, on their passive income journey. I also want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or rabbit hole topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming show, just put it in your review of the podcast. I check those all the time, and I cover those questions in future episodes. If you'd like to know more about me and gain access to passive investment opportunities, hey, make sure you go find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. This is Bobby Jones signing off. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by OnCall Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find OnCall Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.